Hello and welcome everyone to episode 24 of the VGC Trainer School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake, and I am very, very honored and blessed to be joined today by three fantastic co-hosts, two returning in Spicer and Jack. But also, we do have a very special guest, the Don Ductor himself, Moxie Boosted. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Before I get to those other two jokers, we'll start with you, Moxie. Uh, what's going on? Um, what's new with you? You've been uh, you know, competing this season and putting out some great, great content and Twitch streaming as a Twitch partner, 61,000 YouTube subs. So uh, again, thanks for coming on. How you doing? I uh, I'm I'm doing good. I uh, you know I'm on the I'm on the consistent edge of burnout, but it's just how it is nowadays, you know? Like um I thought that graduating college would make YouTube easier, but then I remembered that I didn't go to college to do YouTube, so I got a real job and now I do both. So it's like, you know, I I I have to schedule around a lot of stuff, but I think it's worth it, especially with traveling and stuff. Traveling's the hardest part now. Yeah, that's that to me is what seems like it would be difficult to do because do you stay like within a, a given radius or something or are you trying to go all over? Uh, my radius is the U.S. basically. Right. Uh, I need to renew my passport and honestly, I should probably do that like this weekend because I am going for a world's invite and that is not in the U.S. So yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks for reminding me. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, my radius is just within the borders of the U.S. right now because I don't have my passport renewed and also i don't want to pay for a flight that expensive unless i am competing for worlds uh so i mostly find myself just like deciding if i want to go to a tournament based entirely off of vibes and need mm -hmm. so i'm not going to fresno because i'm tired and <laughs> i'm Fair going enough. to milwaukee because it's 40 minutes away that those sort of things great well that's cool how close are you to your 300 CP? So I'm at 110. If I get the bare minimum of points at every event from now on and win a second local, I don't know if I can call it a second local because the first PC wasn't really a local, but if I win a second PC and get the bare minimum of points at every tournament being Milwaukee, Hartford, and NAIC, uh, then that is a world's invite. So that's that's my goal. You know, I just have to play what I know and I'll probably get it. Yeah. That's very exciting. And we definitely want to get to that, that first premier challenge victory that you had. But a little bit on that later. So now let's welcome in our next co-host, Jack. Jack, of course, returning to the pod and someone who was very anxious to and excited to get on the podcast once we found out that Moxie could be potentially joining us. So welcome in, Jack. How are you doing? How uh, How's it going? Having a lot of university commitments at the moment, so kind of easing up on the Pokemon, but just playing here and there, helping other people get to regionals, considering I'm very far away from all that action. Uh, but yeah, just chilling, going through life and having a good time. That's all you can do. That's great. And I think it's fun, too, to be able to help other people, you know, not necessarily that you're like living vicariously through them and like, a, you know, in the the weird parent who does it, trying to relive their glory, day, glory days with their kid, but like in a fun way, you know, like, hey this change or you know some of these 
best of threes that we ran, you know, maybe helped you out. So that's cool. It's very, yeah. And it's nice because like, I feel like people have seen some of the teams I've built and been a little interested in using them. So, I mean, like I'm more than happy to, because I won't be getting to any more tournaments this year to be able to try them out. So I think it like, it's kind of an honor. So it's nice. But yeah, that's cool. And speaking of being inspired by the team, Spicer, you brought Screamtail and Sarah Ledge and Howl to Portland, right? Uh, yeah, like I said, um, the team was fun. It was inspired by Jack because I had been playing a lot of Screamtail uh, with Howl, and I saw his team working on Showdown Ladder, and I was like, okay, I'm bringing this back with the uh, Sylvester Rule Edge with, like, and Misty Terrain, how Jack was doing it. And I think a lot of people liked the team, like at least at Portland, everybody was like, complimenting how it was like fun and not like the same meta teams they've been seeing and i think that's also partly because i wasn't running like the disable uh encore set that infuriates people but yeah besides the team being fun i guess it performed well too and i saw that you added king gambit to it which i had also done for the premier cup and uh, it worked out pretty well so. Yeah, it's looking pretty strong. So hopefully find a place to use that, maybe on online tour or something. Yeah, Screamtail gang. Uh, and yeah, besides that, I've just been doing like my locals and debating going to Fresno still. I might take a hiatus from Pokemon for a bit, but I also might go to Fresno and then take the hiatus because we got to wait pretty much till next year to do live events anyway. That's a good point. Well, yeah, whatever you decide to do, I'm sure it'll be fun. All right. Well, everyone has just about mentioned a regional and preparing for that. So that is really what I'd like to get into on this episode, because that that is something, you know, we have uh, several new or several more regionals still to play out, whether it's you know, Milwaukee or Fresno. And then, of course, NAIC out in Columbus. So I'm just curious, you know, with the three of you having a lot more experience, basically like all the experience compared to me having none going to my first regional in Hartford this coming weekend. So I just want to pick your brain a little bit, honestly, what, uh, what to do in that preparation process. So let's jump into it. I mean, first off, just getting into a regional, my mindset right now is I'm like only a few days away and nothing feels good. Is that normal? Or do you at this point, like have your team locked in, you feel, and you feel good about it? Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, if your team feels good going into a regional, you're probably part of like the 1% of people who can possibly feel like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like I, I think going into any regional, it's better to feel bad about your team. Cause you know what the weak matchups are. And every time you don't pull that weak matchup going into like a round one, two, three, four, whatever the early rounds are, you know, you feel better because that awareness of where your team struggles and pulling the matchups that, you know, you do good into and like knowing your flow charts is, is going to carry you through early rounds. Yeah, I think um, like for me, I've only been to one regional and before I was obviously taking a very non-meta team and stuff that not many people had seen, but like it was just one of those things where it didn't feel amazing into everything, but I had like some matchups where I was like, yeah, I know I can beat these. So like, I'll just hope. And I feel like sometimes going to a regional can be very matchup dependent. So you kind of just like go to have fun. And then, you know, if your team does well into certain things, then good for you. Yeah. I, I think that 
going into Portland specifically, my team was basically made to farm balance and sun teams because that's a super positive matchup into it. But then like round one, I pull balance and I go, okay, great. Free, free win, basically. I 2-0 the guy. Round two, I pull Spicer here and it is the exact opposite of what I want to be facing. Uh, it is something I have never seen before. There is a extreme <laughs> tail with Misty Terrain and I am running a Glamora stall team. So I just barely steal the win from him basically off of I would call it conditioning. Yeah. Long story short, turn one of game three, I think it was an Iron Hand Screamtail lead, and I have a Glamora on the field. So I basically just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, swap out my Glamora on the turn he goes for Misty Terrain to let him know that I know he's going to do that. And then like turn seven, Misty Terrain's gone, and we're the exact same position, and this time I go for the Mortal Spin, and he goes for Howl. <laughs> so that, All was, right. that was the only way I was able to get away with it was just like, get him turn one to believe i know that was probably my hardest matchup the whole day you had some and good reads wow that's the tournament run was just facing a bunch of non-standard stuff that kind of messed with me and i yeah it was it was weird it was a weird run for me it's I mean, funny because normally i should get free wins against all like that like i beat every other wochian team but yours <laughs> i i'll be honest like i play almost exclusively stall in tournament sets right now and i think that's my strength in the game is I can play stall really, 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 really good. But the downside of that is it, it being like my strongest archetype and my favorite play style uh, does lead me to like round five, getting super exhausted and not wanting to play anymore. Like the team that I built, it was designed to do exactly that. Just like something that people don't see. And it has line, very specific lines into common matchups even like stall you know which wasn't the most common thing but it was just kind of there to you know screw them up they can't get the poison off and that's kind of like one of the main game plans but uh yeah it was just uh a really cool thing that i thought of and i was like yeah just screw people over just mind game stuff like that yeah <laughs> i remember i played game three against a guy with like a sobble hat on i can't remember his name <laughs> and he, he had like he was playing Palance and he started with Arcanine and Amoongus and he just spored in the same turn I misty terrained and he was just like really upset the rest it was just it was really nasty like game two I didn't lose a single mon but I was Honestly, like um, I, I don't think you had any matchup into me like I'm sorry I think that like if you see misty terrain on team preview or not even team preview what's called on the open team sheet and you go for the spore turn one yeah into it like yeah. You you are running in Amoongus. We know that you have Spore and you know that we have Misty Terrain. We're not going to not click it. The Amoongus isn't a threat in anything other than that Spore. Right. Actually, actually that's a big point to bring up. I'll bring up that um make sure when you're at the tournament, you read the team sheet fully. Yeah. Make sure you check abilities, check moves because like in 3 of my games at Sydney Regionals, like in game 3 of a set I hadn't clicked Misty Terrain the entire time and he had an Arcanine on the other side of the field. And I was like, I wonder if he read the team sheet because he like missed something earlier. So I clicked Misty Terrain and he went for Will-O-Wisp and he was like, oh, I didn't even see that move. I'm like, yeah, just make so sure you double check everything so you don't stuff up. Honestly, yeah. I think my favorite moment of the whole tournament was turn one, game one, round one um of the whole thing because i i run corrosion on my glamora specifically because it improves the pala balance matchup uh being able to vent a shock into amoongus and two shot it very cleanly 
it basically gets rid of like the entire team's Terra Grascal Mora matchup. Like they that's how you deal with it with that team is you use Amoongus, right? And my opponent led off with a Tinglu, and I think it was an Arcanine, which into Glamora, you know, what do you do there? You stomping tantrum Glamora, you swap out the Arcanine into like an Amoongus or something, right? Because you're um, you're gonna get mortal spun. He didn't read that I was <laughs> that I was corrosion and oh. Just turn Dude. one, game one. I, <laughs> I mortal spin. He swaps out Arcanine for uh, the Amoongus and Terra poisons his uh, Tinglu. Oh. And he gets double oh, poisoned. Wow. And as soon as I see him click Terra poison and swap an Amoongus, I go, oh, this guy didn't read the team sheet. So before the, the mortal spin goes off, I just look up and look at his eyes because I'm like, I want to see what he looks like when this kind of like... <laughs> the fear. Yeah, like because I, I recognize what was about to happen because it's happened to me a million times. <laughs> um and i was like oh there it is <laughs> he was like what um and my second favorite moment was another team sheet moment it was in finals i was playing against uh i think his name is spark vgc it was finals of the premier challenge and turn zero game game one you know before we even start the match uh, he you know picks up my team sheet points to the glamour and he goes hey i think there's an error in your team sheet it says your corrosion i go no it's not in there and he goes oh <laughs> he, had, <laughs> he wanted it to be so bad. He, he literally went because he, he was like hoping. <laughs> he realized what that meant for the matchup because he had the Amoongus. <laughs> so it was it was kind of funny. Um, yeah, read your team sheets. There are some wacky things that people run, and that's also too is like there's a lot of Pokemon. Like say Iron Hands is a great example of that, right? Yeah. You just assume that Fake Out is going to be on there, so sometimes that forces you to like Ghost Terra or something like that, but. Not all of them run that anymore. Some they're like, you know, protect swords dance and then two stab moves. And it's like if you sort of in your mind sort of fill out the rest of the team sheet without actually reading it and, and fully understanding it, it can really set you up into some, you know, pins that you put yourself into. Yeah. And keep in mind, what is team preview? 90 seconds. You have time to read yeah. that team sheet. Yeah. And also between rounds, familiarize yourself with that team sheet. There's so much downtime to be reading that team sheet that there's no excuse to not say anything on it. Well, some people, exactly. they don't give it up. Yeah, I mean, um, there was actually a discussion about that on Twitter today uh, where I think it was Leonard Kraft asked, like, hey, judges, when do you hand over the team sheet? And according to Temporal VGC, Alyssa, um, the official rules say the team sheet should be in the opponent's hands by team preview. So it doesn't matter when, as long as it's before team preview is active. Yeah, yeah. I think like I think most of the time I handed mine over when like we were setting up the game or something, and then by the time we clicked ready, we were both kind of scanning it during the ninety seconds or whatever it was. So I I always I just that's... hand mine over right away as sort of a hint yeah. to say, "Hey, give me your team sheet." Is that the I best way another... to do it? Like, is is it really like? Because I mean. If, if you want that competitive advantage, like, are you being an asshole, basically, if, like, you don't give it until, you know, you're into team preview? I don't think you're an asshole for it. Also, thank you for confirming I can swear on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I for it. But I think that it's more, because think about, like, the downside, right? Like, oh, you know, they don't know anything about my team until I hand it over to them. But also, I don't know anything about their team. It's just the way that they want to play it. They yeah. can insist to not they don't have to. They have no. They have no obligation to give you that team sheet until the millisecond before team preview starts. So, you know, as yeah. long as they're within the rules, who cares? In my opinion, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what kind of a team would want that. Like maybe a team that has like a false team lead. Erosion Glamora. Out team. <laughs> yeah, out teams. <laughs> like something that looks like it has an obvious lead, but it has an alternate lead. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that my strategy with going into like team preview with like open team sheets is like, you know, you can fill in the blanks on a lot of teams, but what you need to look out for are the things that you don't recognize and that'll make it easier for you to remember. So like Imagine you look at like a standard like pala balance team, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just you you can fill in every single move on a pala balance team in your head. What you do mm -hmm. is you think about what it's going to be, then you look at the team sheet and point out anything that you didn't think was going to be on there, and then you just leave a little mental note like, oh, that's a bulk up on the palafin, or oh, that's sand tomb on the tinglu. Um, and that's the easiest way for me to read a team sheet, in my opinion. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Also, Terra's yeah, like, first. Check Terra's before anything. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, on my, like, round four or something, I remember handing the team sheet to my opponent, and, like, he was just scanning it and, like, checking stuff, and it kind of looked like a normal team, and then he got to the very last Pokemon, and it was Screamtail, and it had Encore, and he was like, oh, like, visible O, and then he was just like, <laughs> sh like shit, I can't bring my Garganical to, like, any games now, and I was like, yeah, cool, that works. Bro, I brought Garganical to, like, every Screamtail I played, and it was so Yeah, funny. I know, I don't know why, I don't know why, like, you just click Salt Cure, and even if you get Encore, like, that's yeah, still cool. so much pressure, so. Yeah, that's here's fine. the thing, right, so, like, and, uh, all right, so I faced a, I faced a, um, Encore, uh, Iron Bundle for semifinals of the Premier Challenge, and the Iron Bundle had the opportunity to encore me, but he never took it because it was already salt cured and he had two options. He could either encore me into salt cure, which would just accelerate the process of him like losing his iron bundle. Yep. And that meant he wasn't clicking hydro pumps or yeah, because I clicked to recover. I said like, he's already salt cured. I want to be locked into recover. I immediately clicked recover and I never clicked protect into like encore teams with garganical being encored isn't that bad because everything is going to get salt cured like do you yeah. know how much like value a second salt cure onto a pokemon does because like the salt cure damage on like a on like a i don't know a golden go right is going to do 25 percent each turn salt curing them a second time will get rid of like leftovers recovery and that means they die quicker like it is I don't know. Encore into like Garganical is only good if you catch them lacking. Like that's literally it. Yeah, like a protect or something. Yeah, which it's on the team sheet. I'm never, I'm never clicking protect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pokemon. exactly. <laughs> and I, I feel like a lot of people tunnel vision onto the Encore too much too. Like every every time I played an Encore Pokemon, whether it be Jumpluff, uh, Screamtail, or Iron Bundle, I played a lot of Encore to be honest. It was a lot. Every time oh. I would protect in front of them, you know what they would do? They would Encore into the slot, to which I would say okay, I'm just going to switch, which meant neutral turn. People yep. who play Encore don't know how to pressure the switch because your opponent well, was, has to switch. <laughs> I was going to say it's funny. The amount of times people get so fixated on the one move Encore and the amount of times they like, they like, oh, okay, they switched earlier. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're just going to do it again. And then they switch again. And I just click how and I'm like, okay, like you obviously read that in game three against Visa, but I was like, yeah, yeah like, yeah, that's the nice balance between how and Encore. Yeah, you have to play well enough that you can read their turns. Yeah, like like I said, like Howell is pressuring the switch. Like you know they have to switch here because they just protected. Um, yeah, exactly. Because you you have to do like the risk uh, reward analysis in your opponent's head, where it's like, okay, well if I get locked into protect here, then that means they get two howls off. Where if I switch now, they only get one. So you always just howl because they're gonna switch. You always get two yeah. howls. <laughs> 
okay. So then, so you have, you do all that, right? Is that like, you're taking notes on any of the team sheets or anything like that to be able to say, like you, you were talking about, you sort of set up what you were going to do in one game to then be able to punish it in like later in the game. Do you write notes to yourself on your team sheets that you're doing that from game to game? Or do you guys just like remember that you're doing that? Cause I imagine playing in person allows you to sort of, I don't know, dictate that in some capacity. Like, are you ever playing your opponent and their body language almost? Uh, that does matter a lot. I do keep an eye on my yeah, opponent. Yeah. Like I said, game one, turn one, round one. <laughs> I was like, I want to see how this guy reacts. Uh, but no, that's important too. You know, you have to look at your opponent. And honestly, all right. So a lot of this game has to do with playing the board, playing up and playing down. And that's like a concept a lot of people don't really understand. And it's like, so imagine that you like, play with your buddy all the time and you know that he's like not the best player when you play against him you don't read the double switch or the self u-turn on your protects while he's getting parish trap like those sort of things you play it straightforward it's hard to do that in a vgc tournament because you don't know 99 percent of your opponents you might know of them in which case play up you know like if i'm playing against like uh, Alex Underhill, I'm not going to assume that he's going to let you go for <laughs> Dazzling Gleam plus Heat Wave with like Chiyu and Flutterman, right? You have to look at your opponent. If your opponent's like kind of hunched over, their team list looks like, you know, it's not the greatest team ever and there's not really like a cohesive strategy going on, click the move that does the most damage and that's how you get through early rounds. Uh, like, and like if you're playing against someone who is just, very confident in what they're doing then you like yeah but you respect them a little bit call them out on like the oh they know that i want to go for sleep powder here so they're definitely going to tear a grass like yeah like i think that looking at your opponent's one of the most important things you can do in the game yeah yeah i think it's really uh it's also like reading stuff as well because like for me using like the encore or the misty terrain or something i would look at my opponent and if they like visibly hesitated or something, then they were obviously considering I would go for that move. But some people would just click their moves and I'm like, oh, you didn't think about that move at all. And so I would just do that. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's so many indications where like in one game, there was a guy, we ended up in a Corviknight mirror and I had to stall it to time. And like, he was just confidently c- clicking bulk up and I didn't have bulk up, but I realized that I had more health and like I was slower so I could just roost and then I stalled it to time and he was like oh I didn't know you could do that <laughs> hammer stalling is so fun that's a win comment it's so there. fun yeah uh but no yeah yeah looking at your opponent gauging them is like really really important so I actually went around and I asked a lot of uh big VGC players a question that I want to make into a TikTok because I thought it'd be really funny <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys this question and Ooh, I'm going to get each individual response and then I'm going to follow it up with another detail that will change your response. Okay. Oh, All right. yeah. So I just explained to you playing up, playing down and playing the board, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So in this situation, do you play up, play down or play the board? Your opponent is someone who you have never met. You and them are both undefeated in this uh, local tournament. You're both 2-0, and meaning it is only round three. They're playing a very standard pal balance team. You are also playing a very standard pal balance team. Play up, play down, play the board. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yes. Is it best of three? Yes, it's best of three. Game one? Yes. Like, it is just right. standard tournament. Okay. In that situation, I'm playing up. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt game one. All right. I would say, because you're both using pal balance, I would say play the board because 
it's game one of the set. You can afford to make a few mistakes and just see what level they're at. Uh-huh. Spicer? Okay, I think I would play it down. When I went against some like well-known players in the Premier Cup, I was just like, I'm just going to play kind of like they're predicting my every move. Or that's is that playing, playing up? That's playing up. <laughs> that's playing up? Yeah. I guess I for me that works because I feel like I'm an unknown, so like people underestimate me, and that's how I won against like Aaron Brock and Andrew Ding, I swear. All right, so we have two playing ups, one playing the board, okay? So final detail. They are rocking the most insane Ash Ketchum cosplay you have ever seen. <laughs> okay, I've got my answer now too. Okay, and you know, feel free to answer completely honestly. I'm still playing up because I don't think that I think that if somebody is going to wear something like that, I think that they are trying to get you to think less of them or not like or like underestimate them like something that uh that's a plus one would always do is he would bring a sableye plushie with him when he would go to tournaments and if he had a sableye on the team he would put it on the desk every single time they would be then forced to look at it and he would be like and then you'd be like i'm not bringing the sableye and they would be so prepared for it and they would lose because of it so i think that people are going to try to get an edge any way possible so i'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt game one not that I don't respect the Ash Ketchum thing, but also I think I wanted to was thinking about it afterwards. I think I'm playing down only in like game one, only because like if I just click buttons and like then the next games I can figure out if they know what to do or they're just going to get overwhelmed. So I think I'm playing down. All right, Spicer. Okay, I'm going to play up because they're going to expect me to play down because they think I'm underestimating their peak. <laughs> All right, you guys are really overthinking this question. So everyone that I asked said <laughs> play down the because they were too focused on the cosplay. They didn't practice that much. <laughs> That's it. So I, so I asked everyone like that question and they said That's like, okay, one. I'm going to play the board. And then I said like, okay, they're rocking like the most insane Ash Ketchum cosplay you've ever seen. Like a really good one. He goes, oh, well, now uh -huh. I'm playing down. They weren't practicing. They were making the cosplay. Fair enough. Like, it, like all right. Fair. I mean, you yeah. guys gave you guys gave the average VGC player way too much credit. <laughs> like that's so true. They're not. I always like, forget about look, that. Look, it's not the art of war. <laughs> they just show up as <laughs> cosplay, dude. <laughs> See, I'm also biased because I dressed as Ash Ketchum for Halloween like a few years ago. So <laughs> I I know how how little yeah. time it takes to actually put that together. But <laughs> no, but this is like a good one. Also, sure, no sure. disrespect to cosplayers. There there was a guy yeah. who won like a, I think he won like an international championship like cosplayed as like uh who was it? Paul from Pokemon. I forget. No, Gary. Oh, it was a Gary Oak cosplayer, I think won That's an international. Cool. So I'm one hundred percent cosplaying cool. next time just to confuse everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. But yeah, no, like now, unironically, you could cosplay as someone if you're like if you're like a super good player and like you fly yeah. under the radar, just cosplay as something when you show up and people will play down versus you. Yeah. Now I just have to I'll like practice a lot and also have a good cosplay. Yeah. Um, I'll show no, up as honestly, like a Pokemon and just only repeat one phrase the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> so so honestly, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people give way too much like thought to factors outside of the game. Like uh, Pokemon, as skill based of a game as it is, and like how many factors can affect the game, it's not warfare, you know? Like you can legitimately just show up to a tournament, not read your opponents, and just play well and like yeah. just 
not not like not read your opponents, but like not like gauge your opponents. You can legitimately just roll up to like your local and like sweep the whole thing if you just play well enough. But there are like some people who will be like, yeah, dude, you know, like you can really like get in your opponent's head. And I'm like, nah, you're really you're really overcomplicating <laughs> this game. Like, yeah, like those things exist, but it's it's like the outlier of most games, you know? Yeah, I, mean, um, I was definitely yeah. joking about my answer. I just wanted a unique answer after them. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, but uh, like I think the the biggest mind game I've ever heard of and then the biggest mind game I've ever experienced was uh, the first one. The one I've heard of was there was a dude who showed up to a tournament in 2014, I think. Megas were allowed or it might have been 2015. But, um, you know, Megazard X, Megazard Y were both legal and it was closed team sheet because that's what tournaments were back then. And he had a Megazard Y plushie on the desk. And his Zard was actually Megazard X. Which oh, you play... wow. Yeah, yeah so like, I've, I've wow. heard about that too. Yeah, yeah, so that's like a famous example, right? Yeah. Like that's that's like a, a legitimate mind game. And it's not even a mind game. It's just something that your opponent just kind of, oh, you know. Assumes, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that was a legit mind game is when I was playing Toller Web on stream, he game three crit one shot my Flutter main. So I lost the Flutter main and that was very obviously going to be my terror target for the game. So he looks at me and we have like microphones and like headsets on so we can hear each other. And he goes, well, at least you still have the Terra flying for your King Gambit. And I go like mentally, I go, oh, why did you have to tell me that? Oh, yeah. Wow. Because he has a low kick Tyranitar and you have to think about this. I'm Terra flying King Gambit. He's low kick Tyranitar and he's Assault Vest. He can easily choose Rock Slide or low kick on any given turn. He's also very fast Tyranitar so I can get Rock Slide flinched. So I have to make a call. And because he said, oh, yeah, you're, you know, you still have that Terra flying, I end up not Terra flying, and he goes for the low kick and one shots it, and I lose wow. the set off. Wow, you know what's funny? That is a I legit mind game. Yeah, I will say I would have done the same example. thing, though. I would have done the same thing because, like, Rock Slide seems like the safest play no matter what because you're faster. So it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's fair. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that, that, is, uh, that is a mind game that you can play, and that is one that uh, I've experienced firsthand. Wow. This is like when Pokemon becomes like poker. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, like, how do you how do you avoid being the one that's getting gamed with? Right. Uh, what you do is you don't think about it. Yeah. So you yeah, just let it go. Play. Yeah, you let it go. Um, it's like honestly, being able to just not get tilted is like a really important part of the game. At one point during like the premiere challenge, I was like at, at Portland, I was literally just like, it was round two of top cut. And I was just kind of like, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like vibing out. I was like, yeah, you know, Penny's theme was playing. Uh, I had my headphones on. (laughs) I had everything on the field salt cured. And because I was just kind of like going with it, I didn't really doubt any of my moves. And I kept calling every single swap like Iron Bundle would swap in. I would salt cure Mm -hmm. that slot despite it, you know, being a uh, an already salt cured Pokemon you know, two turns earlier or like a, a turn earlier. And just, I kept getting these like salt cures off. And honestly, clicking my move super fast seemed like it was tilting my opponent. Um, <laughs> and I didn't mean to do that. I was just kind of like vibing because it was, yeah. it was a long tournament and I was very tired. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes it's just better to play. Like you've only got 20 seconds left on your showdown timer or something like just click moves and click the right moves. And sometimes they'll overthink it. Sometimes they won't. And, you know, you just play from there. It comes back to reading body language where you like see them click their moves really fast. And you're like, I don't think they tried to big brain a switch right there. Nah, yeah. sometimes they're just really confident in that big brain play. Yeah. Um, I, and I had to get like, used honestly, to that. Forcing, 
forcing that play, trusting yourself can make a huge difference. My only loss in Swiss during that event was because I didn't have the balls to uh, thunder wave a great tusk that wasn't Terrid. Because uh-huh. it was, yeah, because there was a flutter main in the back that was speed boosting. And the great tusk wasn't doing anything in the field. And I was like, okay, I can either waterfall the Chen Pound next to it or thunder wave this great tusk. And I was, I was hovering on that so long. I was like, I, I can't, I couldn't bring myself to click it. And then lo and behold, that turn, he protects and swaps out the great tusk for the flutter main. And I look at him uh, and I go, I knew it. And he goes, I knew that you knew it. I almost <laughs> didn't do it too. <laughs> and then, and honestly, it was like at that point, it kind of like confirmed me. I was like, yeah, honestly, just if you have a read that you want to make and your opponent is the type of person who would play that like thing that you're trying to predict, right? Like you've like you're in game three, like that sort of thing. Just do it. The longer you ruminate on it, the less likely you are to make that play. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, it's a 50-50, anyways. Like yeah. in a lot of situations, it's kind of a 50-50. So it doesn't matter which one you choose. There's no there's no influence that leans you one way or the other. And if it if it's the right play, if you see like your end game situation, if like if like if you do this right now, you can do this the next turn and then it's like a win do it like you're you're setting up an end game situation that's like clear for you you know yeah, yeah. if you can if you can spot that line you might as well give it yeah because like, it's also about literally like resource management and like you know risk versus reward you know yeah and i mean like literally in my game versus spicer like i had mentioned i was like i mortal spun on him turn seven like i i set that up turn one so i could possibly do it later and i was like well i already made the commitment of letting him know i have to do it now and it paid off and it was just yeah like I clicked it. I clicked it immediately. I didn't think about it. I was like, I need to do it or I don't win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that turn happening and I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't set up the mist. So, something you guys you, you've talked about too is the actual chit chat that you have with your opponent. I've heard comp- like total opposite ends of the spectrum where sometimes if a person's really cool and you can like talk with them and then you maybe like chat like afterwards sometimes people just come in and they're all business and they just don't say anything mm-hmm. are you trying to initiate that conversation are you trying to be like hey you know how's it going how's your day or do you just start with the i'm all business and then we'll see how you play i am like i i mean like i when i was at the tournament you know there was some people you know there was one guy who was 10 points off his world's invite and we were having the best chat you know and we had such a long set and we were talking through moves and we were like wow that was a great play you know and you know there was one point where it was like oh if you crit here you win and I got the crit and I was like oh wow look at that and you know stuff like that but I think it's it's in the end it's Pokemon like I know people want to do well but you got to have a bit of fun with it so I think you know you can have games where it's all business and if you need to focus up you focus up but just enjoy it like have a chat you know yeah i would i would say round one it's 50 50 um yeah you know if it's round one your opponent it's their first tournament ever if they they will tell you that they will say it's my first tournament ever because they're nervous chit chat Uh with them you know like it's not going to decrease your enjoyment of the game but it will increase their enjoyment yeah and like it's that connection is like really important uh, in losing your first match at any tournament, if your first match ever at a tournament is much less of a heavy blow to take if the person was nice during the whole set, right? So like that's that's my opinion on on like, you know, the first turn or the first game of like a tournament. Like I think it's just you have to like you have to feel the vibes out because there are some people who don't want to say a single word um, yeah. because they're nervous. And it's like, you know, the first first game. 
game round two still kind of depends. You know, if you're at the one, one table at round three, still kind of, you know, feeling it out. But if you're at the three O table at like round four, at that point, it's got to be your best friend across the table or they're probably not going to want to talk. They're on a roll. That's true. They're on yeah. a roll and they want to focus. And yeah, I think the only time I've ever had a conversation at like a high table was at Charlotte. And it was because the guy I was facing was Alex, uh, Alex Kwan. And I, I knew the dude and, you know, he knew me and he said like, t- he said, turn one of a game when he goes, Oh, I watched you practice with this team on, on live stream. And I went, no, you didn't. And I just kind of like, <laughs> I was kind of messing with him, like in a friendly way. And I think that got me through the uh, existential crisis of, oh yeah, I streamed with this team like two days ago and I won. Okay. <laughs> I'll redact my statement and say, just be respectful. Like there was, you know, just like be friendly and be nice because like there was one round where I lost the set because in game one, turn one, I got freeze dry, freezed into my Corviknight, which had a Lumberry. And then I got Icicle Crash Crit from Baxcalibur into the Corviknight, which lived on 10 health. And then I flinched so I couldn't set oh up Tailwind. And he just sat there like that was a normal thing. And he kind of like, I was like, oh, wow, that was lucky. And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> he went, yeah, it was. Like, lit- like, he's like, yeah, I do this all the time. Like, that's what it felt like. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, good. Just how it is, you know. Um, If you're running Baxcalibur or... I would assume he had Vexcalibur and um, Iron Bundle if he had Ice yeah. Crash and, or I guess yeah. it could also have been like a really weird Chen Pao. If you're running Ice Pokemon in general, you just take those. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you do. And I was like, wow, that's fortunate. But I was like, ouch, in one turn. Yeah. I like the apologetic players. Like they're, they're yeah. nice about it. But also like, I feel bad when they apologize because I'm like, nah, you, you shouldn't feel bad about winning, dude. Well, it's I don't right. want to like feel bad about RNG, but it's just like it happens. But also, like I crit your plus four Corviknight. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's it's it's really dependent upon like in my opinion what you're running, right? Like if you're running a sand team with fast rock slide, you're trying to get those flinches. So don't apologize yeah. to me. If yeah. you're yeah. if you're running a snow team, you're trying to freeze me with Blizzard. Don't apologize to me. It's the like you said, it's the bulk up. You know, at plus three, plus three, and you get crit or like. I've charmed you down to like minus four and then you crit something and like that. That's when you're like, all right, that sucks. Yeah. That's, that's when both players recognize like this was not any, this was not any of our intentions. Yeah. (laughs) That's like me versus plus one. And I got two crits and our best of one. And I was like, yeah, my thing. So you've also mentioned uh, Moxie, the fact that you have a following. And that people know who you are. So, like, when yeah, you go I to these events, it, well, I, I did. <laughs> like, but you mentioned that like somebody saw you stream it, right? They're like you practicing. So, yeah, you like how do you sort of manage that aspect of it? Something that the average person may not necessarily have to. Like, do you you know stop to talk to people that recognize you as you know Moxie boosted, or do you sort of just like try to keep to yourself and try to go unnoticed, or how do you sort of play that aspect of it? Um, it's going to come off like I'm full of myself, but this is just the honest to God truth. I don't bring it up. Other people bring it up a lot. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, and usually what happens is I'll sit down at my table. They'll look at me funny and then I'll say hi. And then the voice confirms it. And then they'll say, Oh, Hey, <laughs> you know, um, and I don't mind it. You know, I like, I, I like that people stop me to take pictures. I think it's cool. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I, 
you know, sometimes someone will have me sign like a card. I think I've signed at least three Don Dozo cards, which I'll be honest, I'm not used to that part. Um, cause I'm like, <laughs> yo, this was worth more before I signed it. So, uh, like that's like the weird part for me, but, uh, I think that as far as like tournament prep goes, uh, how do I cope with that is I simply don't, my tournament prep is always a mess because I have to balance the fact that I am a effectively a full-time content creator as, and also have a full-time job and also have to like maintain, you know, relationships with people that are not Pokemon related. Uh, while preparing for a tournament. I can tell you that uh, this upcoming tournament, I'm effectively running the same team I ran at that PC because it's something that I know. I don't have to mm. learn a new team. And also, uh, I need to record videos this week before I go. And I'm not going to record with that team. I need to record with something else. So having that practice under my belt already is going to be carrying me through Hartford. I was going to ask something. Like with your showdown content, do you have to like hide your regional teams when you're doing those videos or something when you're on the team? Building? I half ass it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I have like 900 teams in there and a lot of them are permutations of a team. As long as yeah. I don't show the EV spread, I couldn't give less of a damn about it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah you see my six. No, to be honest, no one's prepping for me. Like I'm not a top that's player. True. I'm like, I'm just a content creator. Um, Like I have decent results, but like um, no one is going oh what's marcus running you know w what would happen is i'm more likely for someone to know what i'm running and i'm more likely for someone to recognize that they're playing against me that's the only disadvantage i'd be at um, yeah that's fair where like let's say that like joe's team got leaked well guess what everyone everyone would everyone, know joe's team yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. I think, I think everybody that's... knew you were playing wo Chien, but it just didn't really matter because nobody was playing for wo Chien. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the best parts about open team sheet really is that like you your team could get like your you know people know what your team is already anyways because they, yeah. they get to see it like and of course like the, the, the EVs are you know the most important aspect of it especially with your flutter main set but still you don't have to hide that aspect of it so that yeah, is, that is I, nice I think that the only thing that is a little frustrating is when you're streaming with a team your team can be reverse engineered very yeah. easily right it's something i do often yeah <laughs> yeah we we've jacked that for one of our episodes looking at the streams of you know the actual regional to figure out what uh agati was running or agati's team yeah yeah, yeah. pretty easy yeah, so anyway, you know, you got your whole team prepared to review <laughs> two to three two to three games like you can get the whole team yeah. yeah, literally. You just like do damage calcs of how much they're doing. And then like I just calc like recoil damage or something. I'm like, okay, well, that's max HP. Good to know. Yeah. Like honestly, like in there are trends that you follow. Like you'll never see a Fluttermain slower than a Garchomp, right? But if you see a Fluttermain yeah. that outspeeds a Garchomp and then is also slower than a Mousehold, that Garchomp hit 171. Like it is yeah. specifically for the Garchomp. Or I guess 170. Well, like I well, like a Guardi's Fluttermane was slower than Chi Yu, and they and that didn't come up until like game three of a set, and I was yeah. like, "Well, that's weird." That's so yeah, you know, it's just it's it's a little frustrating, and I definitely want to run some best of threes this week, but it's like 50-50 if I get any practice. Well, we're available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, just to sort of end around this out, I guess number one thing that I definitely wanted to to have answered: How do you? stay calm how do you continue to have fun when you're at an event like maybe things aren't breaking the way that you want them to how do you 
you know, get through it and, and keep going. Do you drop at that point? Do you stay and stay and play through it? How do you, used, how do you do that? I used to drop um, and then just go drink. <laughs> um, but uh, nowadays, Busters. yeah, Dave and Busters goes hard after a tournament. <laughs> but nowadays, um, I'll stay through the whole tournament. And I think the reason is because if I drop at X and four, because I'm not getting points, well, my record is no longer X and four. It's let's say I won like the first two rounds, then lost the next four. It's not X and four. That's an X and seven. And that is way worse mm. where if you play the rest of the games, not only do you end up having great conversations because everyone else is already out of points, they're not taking it seriously. Um, but you meet a lot of people who are just super kind and you get extra practice from them. The game becomes far more casual the lower the tables get. And even if you're having a rough time, even if you have like an awful result, uh, the lower the tables go, the happier people tend to be funny enough. Yeah, yeah. The saddest yeah. table is X and three. The happiest table <laughs> is X and nine. Plus, I'm like going all the way up there, spending all this money for lodging and whatnot. You might as well stay and do the whole thing yeah that's what i was thinking like when i went for, to my first one it's like you gotta go such a long way and you you're making this commitment and like i came to play pokemon so i may as well finish it out even if you know i was one off a winning in or something and i'm like oh yeah fair enough yeah nice. dude i fumbled like all three of my winning ins like the last few minutes <laughs> it was so annoying that's rough and and people generally like statistically you're gonna do better as you keep playing and losing anyway you're gonna play people who are easier be i guess yeah, it's free field practice. Yeah. Like, just do it. Well, it's not free. You paid 70 bucks, but it's it's field practice you paid for, so you better use it. Exactly. You're more likely to improve your score. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll certainly keep that in mind. Thank you, guys. I do appreciate it. But cool. That is, that is everything, I guess. That's going to be our episode. So thank you so much, Moxie, for coming on. The uh, So you also co-host your own podcast, uh, the Route One Podcast, and that is with... You and Brady, Ash, and Michael, correct? Yes, I call it <laughs> I call it a Pokemon podcast, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, we cannot stay on, on, on you know, we cannot do that. <laughs> but it's mostly just me making poop jokes and like spitting bars that are stupid and goofy. That sounds hot. Is that it's on Spotify under just yeah, one and podcast. YouTube, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't even like rapping, I just like making goofy bars. No, those bars go hard. I've heard all of them. <laughs> you got to get in contact with Shofu to get on the next cipher. Dude, <laughs> I'm your mama pays my tuition. I'm in her pockets like she can get gone. <laughs> there it is. Next one's coming out. I'm so excited. Great sample. Well, cool. So, of course, that you know your uh, your YouTube, and then how often do you stream on Twitter? Uh, tw on Twitter, uh, dude, I'm on Twitter uh, every hour of the day. <laughs> I, am a, I am. That's a true. You're time... a great, you're a great follow. I am a time thief, bro. Um, company time? Just... No, that's Twitter time. Uh, but I uh, I stream on Twitch on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 5.30 CST to 7. And I'm trying to do weekend streams, but after practicing and being in tournaments, I am usually not streaming on weekends. I try to do it, though. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, I'm sure that we'll have some, have some people come over and uh, say hello, so... All yeah. right, and a big thank you again to Moxie for coming on. Uh, he had some stuff to do, so we just want to have throw the news here at the end. 
It's a great suggestion, Spicer. So uh, the first one that we're going to talk about, I'll just say it here because it has a very stupid joke to begin with. Because I want to talk about the elephants in the room. Yes, the next five-star raid has been announced, and it is the Paradox Don fans. Ray Tusk in Scarlet and Iron Treads in Violet will run May 19th through the 21st, so this coming weekend. And uh, there's a couple good terras on those, like you know, flying, grass, fire, ground, steel. So go pick those up, fighting maybe, and uh, have a good time. Yeah, and there's also uh, Iron Treads. Did I say? Did I not say Iron Treads? I'm just trying to be stupid because there's not really any good terras because I don't know anybody running Iron Treads. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's faster than you think. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Probably not. Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Jack, you want to take the second one? Yeah. No worries. Uh, the main stage of Japan Nationals has concluded, and the top 64 will move on to the live stage, which will take place on the 10th and 11th of June. The top 64 earn their day one world's invites. Notably among them is the three-time champ himself, Ray Rizzo. So congratulations to him. And I'll be very excited to watch that live stage. The GOAT has returned. Did you guys watch any of his uh, his ch- world's championships from back in the day? Yeah, I've, I've watched like every championship, like when I got into it. I've just like reviewed them all. So it's like crazy. He did the like unthinkable. Yeah, Yeah, I've watched them all, but I've also forgot them all. Yeah, <laughs> one of the cool Great things. Great second watches. One of the cool things I remember from from his championships is his Metagross. I forget which championship it was, but it was infamous for not having perfect IVs and speed. So it mm. was like faster than some, but slower than others. And I think he ran Trick Room at the same time. So like he would be able to just mess with you because it would be faster than some things, but then under under speed other Metagross. It was just a very very cool way to go about doing it so he took a long hiatus so i'm uh curious to see how he's how he's gonna be and doing it in japan is pretty cool so because they have a, a different qualifier very difficult yeah. too so even more impressive yeah um and spicer you take this last one about naic yeah absolutely first of all meta gross not meta gross anyway the dates for the north america international championship naic what it stands for have been announced they will be in three waves first on may 17th 6 a.m second is may 17 2 p.m and then may 18th 10 a.m so uh get ready and build up some good karma if you're trying to make it uh, this international will fill up very quick uh yeah so uh get those uh, refreshes ready make sure you got your everything you need uh set up to just click register as fast as possible because that's life for the international championships. Especially in Columbus, because it's like right in the middle of the country. Yeah, if time, if uh, slots allow it, I reckon it's going to be over a thousand. Whew. That'll be fun to cover. Because internationals, too, are just like, oh. they're a, such a spectacle. Did you go to the OCIC one? Jackson. I didn't get I didn't get to go because it was just like at a bad time with uni but like you know you can just sense the vibe even on the stream like everything just feels so much more intense yeah you went last year right Spicer yeah that was my first event was NAIC last year I went five and four I think you and I played our draft league match when you were in there because you were in Columbus right yeah yeah last season that was pretty fun cool place. Um, but yeah so there's the news. I'm glad you all stick to, stuck around for it. <laughs> so, uh, Jack. Goodbye from Down Under. And Spicer. 
goodbye from up over. <laughs> and just goodbye because this podcast is over. Bye-bye. Whoa. Good rhyme. Class dismissed.